What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the TT Podcast. It's episode number 32. Today, I am joined by Prince. Hey there. Ace. Hello. And Brad. Hey. We've got a uh, stacked set of people this week um, to talk about all sorts of things, including the purposes of reviews in art. Uh, but first, we should start with the news. Horizon sold through 2.6 million units in two weeks. What do you think? It's good sales. It's good sales, especially for a new IP, and that's really, um, considering how very well it's been received, I think it's it's nice to see that reflected in numbers, in um, popularity, and sort of like seeing, I mean, we've got um, the sales figures coming up, but that's disappointing in a different way, whereas yes. here you've got... Um, You've got a bit of a relief that something that's a new IP and to be honest, quite a sci-fi tone, um, not very mainstream. Um, it's still being uh, well received by the public. That's a relief. What I've noticed most about it is that it's word of mouth. Every single person that I know that has it has not mm-hmm. had a single bad thing to say about it. So mm-hmm. that's that's always a good sign that if the good games are selling well, they're also being spread around. So it's like it's good for the industry as a whole, I think. Absolutely. Um, any any solid game like this, I mean, uh, I've finally gotten the Platinum on it, um, and it was a very happy Platinum to get, so it's, it's a pretty solid game. Um, and for it to do this well, that's a pretty good number when you compare it to other more established franchises, um, like, uh, what was it, Uncharted 4, I think, sold 2.7 million units in one week, which is, that's pretty good, but it's also one of the most acclaimed series in video games. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you compare that to like when re- you remember the Tomb Raider numbers and whatever like that. And it was like, oh yeah, we expected to sell like four or 5 million units or whatever. And it wasn't really reaching that. I mean, <laughs> the 2.6 million units in the first two weeks for a new IP is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, they are also working on um story, uh, an expansion to the story that didn't, really explain how this would be delivered mm-hmm. um they haven't mentioned anything about any kind of paid dlc or season pass yet so um i i don't know that that means that it's going to be any different than you would normally expect but i wanted to make sure that i specifically use their words expansion to story um just in case they do something a little different if they do like a actual proper expansion along the lines of like a heart of stone for witcher 3 or um if they just, you know, decided to drop little story bits in with uh, uh, patches or something. Okay. I think it would be probably... I mean, from a game's perspective, I think perhaps the best thing that I would hope to see would be a single substantial story expansion DLC, kind of like um, the Jack the Ripper DLC in Syndicate. Um, mm-hmm. Just like one good one um, that you have a set price for. You don't have to buy a season pass or whatever. You just buy that and um you can i no one wants to see um a dlc that finishes the story but um just sort of more of that more good stuff yeah um it's definitely possible um the way the story ended i won't spoil it but it it left a proper cliffhanger with um some of the characters in a way that makes it very easy to tell a related but separate story um to the one that you just played um, so that 
that could very easily work for a sequel, or it could just as easily be a DLC story. Hmm. All right. Outlast 2 was refused classification in Australia, which means that it is essentially banned and cannot be sold, um, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> Unless they try again. <laughs> yeah, uh, they they obviously, um, what is it, Red Barrel, right? Um, yeah. Red Barrels. They, uh, they can always um, remove the offending bits and resubmit the game, um, but there's always the chance that you damage the narrative or what ha- whatever. Um, so obviously people are, are crying um, censorship over this. It's the thing is this isn't censorship for the sake of censorship. I mean, if, for those don't know, it's, it is related to a, a type of sexual assault shown in the game, um, and that's a, it's a serious topic that for many people that aren't expecting it, it's like it, it's something that can personally affect them and affect their emotional response to it. So it's not like it's just at, like I mean I know they banned things like manhunt or whatever for gore. And that is just, that is just for the sake of that's what Australia wants. But this, I feel like, has a bit more reason for it. And I yeah. a bit, I'm a bit more understanding than usual. Yeah. But, I, go ahead, Prince. Um, okay, so I think this is a really complex and interesting topic. Um, so I'm, maybe I'm going to play both sides a little bit. But yep. uh, if the issue is that um, this type of sexual assault is too far which i think is actually a very good point um and uh well if that's the issue then uh is australia um why is australia the only one that uh should draw that line and what about the rest of the world should we not draw a line in the sand and say this is too much um and then it kind of goes back i mean given that this is kind of a one game scenario at this point in time Shouldn't we go back to the developer and say, uh, this is too much and you really uh, uh, should reconsider this in your game? Because at the moment, um, it's kind of looking like it might play out that way in Australia. They might Mm. take it out and uh, whether the game will be worse for wear or not remains to be seen. Certainly. Um, I mean, to me, it it always comes back to, as this scenario goes, it's like one of the few instances where, where I was kind of like, Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, that's uh that's pretty over the top. I can mm. kind of understand where this is coming from. This is like just not good, period. But obviously stuff like this um uh sexual assault thing that that happens and we've got a article on the site if you want to read the uh exact uh description. Um you know, it should should not not exist in games. Like you can't really explore what all of this means and the repercussions and all that kind of stuff without having it in game. So um, I think, you know, it should be able to exist. And obviously that's kind of the point of having a classification system in the first place is to be able to warn people, Hey, this might be really intense and you may not want to experience this Mm -hmm. Um, and, and warn people so that they have knowledge of what they're getting themselves into. So if you have that in the first place, then refusing to classify it, and kind of sweeping it under the rug, it just seems like a sort of disservice all around. Mm. Um, I, I think it's the way that they've done it. They've obviously reading the description of it. It's the kind of thing that I think can be done a lot more subtly. I mean, I know Outlast is not the type of game that does like it's, it's designed <laughs> to be a, a realist, like a realistic immersive horror. Um, mm. 
but this kind of thing I think like can be alluded to a little bit or, or yes um it can be done a lot more considerately for for like for such a sensitive topic yeah um in the previous game not that I've played it but from what I understand it gets pretty graphic with a, a torture scene um yeah down to cutting off certain body parts and whatnot uh, so um it, this seems to be very much in line with that uh, it, it seems to be unsurprisingly the sort of next step to that kind of horror um so i don't know it, it does seem way over the top for me but that's kind of grim isn't it that um upon reflecting on how far past the line they'd gone in the past game they thought yeah. what can we do to make it even more past the line um and that this is well i'm sure they came up with many other things but this is one of the things they came up with well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's not just video games either. It's it's movies and television shows. I mean, I think I don't think we're quite there yet that in the next um, Walking Dead um, we're going to have something like that happen between Negan and someone. But um, mm. give it a little bit longer, <laughs> maybe they will. It's it's yeah. always about one upping and going that bit further. And and some people are horrified by some of the things they see in films and TV, isn't it? You've got you've got some people that. Um, are interested in, in seeing it go further and then you've got other people that are sort of horrified by it and they're not, not ready yet but um, you know if, if you want to get ratings you want to get sales you know sometimes you've got to sort of push that envelope somewhere haven't you but yeah like Brennan was saying you know that's the whole point of having a rating system isn't it so the people who want that slightly more edgier um, um, content. scenario content yeah, yeah. Can, can find it whereas everyone else is sort of warned away from it if they're a bit more um, sensitive to that kind of thing, but choosing not to even sort of classify it at all seems just like they don't want to do their job, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think they uh, don't want to take responsibility. Yeah, yeah, that that seems to make a lot of sense for for the classification board, but, but I don't think it's going to go away. It's going to get worse, isn't no. it? It's going to be more and more developers wanting to push the envelope and 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 put in more and more serious sort of um context and things and maybe not even necessarily for their artistic vision of whatever the story is that they're trying to tell but maybe even as a you know to push the envelope with the rating board in the first place you know that that's certainly i mean art has been doing that since the beginning of time pretty much so yeah well the uh, you've got the art side but there's also just the fact that you know in in games and in movies and tv you, you you're going to have um a hero and an enemy or a villain yeah. And, you know, villains start to get a bit samey and a bit boring, don't they? You know, they get yeah. the same bag of tricks. You know, you've got to push it a bit further. You've got to have graphic head beatings with a um, back covered in um, barbed wire. Yeah, <laughs> well, push it a bit further, right. haven't you? And then, <laughs> yeah. As is a kind of appropriate, I guess, in a way, you have to make people afraid of the villain. And yeah. by choosing yeah. something that they are actually afraid of and haven't been kind of um conditioned to you know exactly yeah it's it's that feeling of fear or that feeling of resentment you know i've, I've got to beat this guy i've got, got to save the world from this monster you know you've yeah. got to you've got to have incentive you've got to be drawn in and the trouble is the the more we get used to things conditioned to things the slightly further they have to edge each time and mm -hmm. yeah you will get times when sensors and sensitive sort of jump up against that i mean as long as it's as long as it's in that vein of trying to get you to right, you know, incentivize you and, and, and draw you in 
and and mm-hmm. you know get you angry about something or get you um wanting to you know seek justice or to right a wrong or to protect it from anyone else happening to anyone else and you know, all those kind of things in 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 movies tv and games you know isn't it it's yeah. uh, it's like that for everything but yeah and it's it's probably going to get tougher and more shocking as we go along that is the that is the worry isn't it and that's where we need a rating yep. system and you know you can have those you can have your outcast twos and your walking deads and all that and you can also have your lego games where it's nice and safe and kiddie. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know give it long enough there'll be a lego outcast in uh, in another tent <laughs> and lots of sort barrels of, yeah they just make it all sort of funny and laughable and what was that never mind <laughs> you know um on lego pieces they have those little um notches that are yeah. crucial to slotting everything together sure. uh, Imagine the torture scene in Lego. They're cutting off the notches off a brick. <laughs> no! No! I need that! Uh, all right. Well, maybe uh, we'll move on to something a little bit more lighthearted. Um, right. So uh, six PlayStation games have been dated. Um, several of these have been um, sort of awaited for a while. Um, we've got uh, actually today on March 21st, you've got everything, which is some kind of weird God Sim thing where you can inhabit just about anything you can see, including like a rock. Is, um, is this the like PlayStation games redone for PlayStation 4, like those Star Wars ones that just popped out of nowhere? No, uh, I mean, uh, some of them. One. They, um, they, have a, they have a thing where they, they publish a set of indie games under their label. Yeah. Um, I think it's Double Fine Presents is what the, the program is called. And yep. this is one of the the more the more looked forward to indie games of those they've already announced. It looks yeah. interesting. Yeah, I want to check it out just because it seems kind of goofy. Um, and we'll see if there is actually anything worth it um, in in that game. I, I took a brief watch of um, a Let's Play. Uh, I think it was uh, some kind of Paragon or someone, someone playing it. Um, and mm-hmm. it's very one of those ones where you kind of it, you kind of feel weird and you don't really know why, but you're enjoying it. And like you're in this world, and you're not yeah. really sure what's happening, and this. You're just going down to this small little bacteria all the way up to a galaxy. Um, <laughs> and it's just one of those weird experience games that somehow draw you in. Yeah, um, mm. Double Fine has promised that in everything there will be, what was it, millions of years of gameplay or something like that? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm getting flashbacks of Spore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess, huh? Oh, no. And that's a little unfortunate. Um, uh, we've also got, uh, on March 28th, Rain World coming out by Adult Swim Digital, which is, it looks like um, World of Goo in its sort of aesthetic. Yeah, I think it is actually tied to them, but um, it's not actually tied to any of their original, their other properties or anything. Um, It's a uh, 2D platformer, I think, where basically it's constantly raining all the time and between the rains. um, Oh, was it made? Was it made in England? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, animals go out to try and find food and then return to wherever to um, hibernate. Um, but apparently there are lots of bigger and smaller animals that are looking to do the same thing. Um, so it seems to be sort of uh, almost level-based in that regard. Um, but I, I'm not really entirely sure how that's going to work out. Um, on April 4th, we have Parappa the Rapper Remastered. Um, which oh, there's an oldie you gotta do yeah. what <laughs> <laughs> gotta remaster um on april 11th is cosmic star heroin uh april 18th has full throttle remastered which has also been long awaited uh and then finally 
What Remains of Edith Finch is coming uh, April 25th, finally. I've heard, I don't know why I recognize this name. Uh, What Remains of Edith Mm -hmm. Finch? Um, If I remember correctly, that is the second game from uh, Giant Sparrow. They did, oh my god, what was that game with the uh, throwing the blobs? The Unfinished uh, One. Yes. Um, So this is their second game. They were originally Mm. supposed to be on a three-game contract, um, but we don't know if that's actually still in effect at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, So, But this is supposed to be the second game in that um, contract. Uh, and it's taken them a little while to get it out, but it seems like it's about to be released, so that's good. Yeah. I think I saw a trailer of this that had my, caught my interest, and I immediately thought, oh, what a terrible name, but still had my interest. Well, this always gets me mixed up with, um, so there's What Remains of Eden Finch, and then... Um, the Experience of Ethan Cart or something? Yeah. Is that what yeah, whatever that's that is. a bad name, too. Yeah, and I keep getting the two of them mixed up, so... Look at the screens, they look like very similar games of... Um, like kind of slightly creepy uh, walking simulator. Yeah, mm. in uh, the middle of nowhere or what yeah. have you. Um, it looks quite good though, looking at the screens. Yeah, it looks pretty interesting. I'll probably end up playing it. That's honestly out of this entire thing, probably what I'm most excited for. Um, I want to play everything just because it seems quirky and fun. But um, What Remains of Edith Finch is the one on this list that I actually want to play. Mm. Uh, uh, we have the NPDs for February, um, and we know now what sold best in February. Um, the PS4 was the best-selling piece of um, console hardware, um, so that trend continues. Uh, and then in order, starting at the top for, Febu- for February, we have uh, For Honor for Honor at number one, uh, Resident Evil 7 at number two, Grand Theft Auto 5 at number 3, NBA 2K17 at number 4, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare at number 5, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege at number 6, Madden NFL 17 at 7, Battlefield 1 at 8, Neo at 9, and Overwatch at 10. Uh, (laughs) Kind of uh, depressing list I was talking about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. um, Lots of uh, sequels on here. uh, Lots of old games. Uh, and not classics yeah grand Grand theft auto 5 came in at number three for february again that game that game is over three years old at this point Mm. they have topped i think 75 million units um so it's the fourth i think if i remember fourth best-selling game of all time um which is just nuts um resident evil 7 held on to second uh, which is not that surprising. Um, it, it came in number first for January, which was actually pretty impressive considering how late it came out, but um, managed to hold on to second. Um, for for Honor, I think, did better than anybody expected. <laughs> um, but then it's like Call of Duty is still on there. Rainbow Six Siege, which is over a year old, is number six. Um, and then you've got Neo, of all things. It's the newest on the list, is at number nine. That's the one uh, welcome edition, or oh, honestly, as, as well as For Honor, I suppose. Everything else is just like such a cliche. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, out of these, you've got For Honor and Neo are the only two new I. Well, I mean, Overwatch is a new IP, but it's over a year old. Mm. Um, 
the rest, you've got Resident Evil 7, Grand Theft Auto 5, NBA 2K has been around for forever, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, but that's uh, 15th entry in the series or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, Rainbow Six, we've had, you know, five different entries of that. Madden, Battlefield, so. I think Resi 7 uh, deserves to be there because it released a week before the end of January and it's a good game. So Certainly. It was marketed uh, very well as well. Yeah. Where they did um, the demo and such. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, it's worth mentioning that, uh, for, at least in, in the States, uh, Horizon came out in February, um, but literally just barely. It was like the uh, 28th, if I remember yeah. correctly. So um, that will almost certainly have a strong showing in March. That's why that's not on there right now. Oh, yeah, it only released. Yeah, it only released in North America at in February and only for one day. So. Um, and then just a couple of quick bits of news. Uh, uh, Drawn to Death will be leading off PS Plus for April. Um, so we know our first game for PS Plus for April. Uh, mm-hmm. Destiny Treasures of Ages was revealed, um, which to quote, um, these boxes give players the opportunity to acquire any of the event-based items they missed previously, including armor, ghosts, sparrow racing emblems, and emotes. That's cool. So if you missed anything, you can uh, go back and get any of the, that funky stuff that you might want. Um, Uncharted 4 is getting a King of the Hill uh, mode in its multiplayer and a bunch of new gear, um, mm-hmm. some of which was inspired by uh, a comic in The Last of Us. So that's pretty neat. I haven't tried the um, competitive King of the Hill mode, but the new gear in Survival, I unlocked some of it. I mean, generally speaking, it's just more Cosmetic. the same it doesn't change the meta it's just yeah more to unlock <laughs> so gee where do we know something like that in another game hey prince <laughs> <laughs> I what which game are you talking about uh, meta add-ons in the multiplayer just for the heck of it that do nothing oh and a truckload of them coming at you all the time oh yes no i, I get it now. i get it now. <laughs> yeah I think um, we've both given up, haven't we? But the problem with Uncharted 4 Survival is that it's still impossibly hard, so... Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's going to be... Uh, the new Overwatch character is actually being re- released today, so by the it time you hear it... I have played yep. about two hours, or an hour and a half of it. I, managed so, to, I was, I was, des- de- I was in, made it sure that I squeezed it in before the podcast, so I'd be able to... Good, good. ...my opinion of it. Good, yeah, because I was kind of curious, but uh, I wanted to get some Mass Effect in. So uh, what did you <laughs> think of it? Um, she's actually really good. Like she's as released, she's not going to go straight into competitive. Like they're giving it an extra week, and that's because of um, from what I've heard, she was pretty overpowered on the uh, the, the test server. Yeah, um, she uh, she feels good. Like she's the kind of hero that she basically has a bit of everything. Like she can pull people in with uh, the equivalent of Zarya's ult, but like a mini version. She got a shield mm-hmm. like Reinhardt, except you can throw it somewhere. Uh, yeah. Like she can she can make herself. Take take barely any damage. She can just hold the button and shoot things for like 150 bullets. So uh, she's a bit strong. Yeah, they're gonna yeah, have to sounds like weaken it. her a bit. She's also the kind of hero that's really good if you coordinate with her because she has a lot of abilities that can really help a team out and change the tide of battle. Um, mm, so if you, she's a kind of frontline tank that, if you work with your team, could be incredibly strong. Sounds pretty awesome. I like her though. She's cool. At that time, fun to play. Yeah, she's right. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it sounds like a, the kind of tank that I could get behind. Um, but uh, 
Hmm. Sorry. Oh, um, good. yeah, right. Uh, I I just never really cared much for playing tank, though. Oddly enough, I'm a I particularly like to play support. So what do I know? Um, but yeah, I always found tank kind of boring. She needed to be released because the only frontline tank was Reinhardt. Like, and it was pretty much a guaranteed pick on every single map. So he yeah. needed an alternative to work around. Yep, yep. Um, all right. And then finally, uh, some Sonic news. Uh, Sona, Sonic Mania was delayed. Uh, and Project Sonic 2017 has now become Sonic Forces. This is the uh, specialist subject of Ace Sonic McLeod. Have you caught the news? I, I, I yeah, I did. Uh, I did hear that news. Yeah, um, I've watched the the gameplay and listened to the tune. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm getting sort of Sonic 2006 and Sonic Boom vibes. Uh, <laughs> um, worst case scenario. It, yeah, I mean. You know, the gameplay was alright, it's your average modern sort of Sonic running around, but I don't know, I I want more by now, you know? I just wish you'd take something like Horizon Zero Dawn or Zelda and just swap out the main character for Sonic, you know? Just to have that. You say that, if you, if you look on the internet, you'll find there are some fan-made projects that are sort of Sonic open-world 3D kind of thing, you know, and... Um, <laughs> That's uh, if you remember the if you if if you go back to before 2006 came out and they had an E3 presentation and they, it, it was a CGI video but yeah. it it was that kind of thing it just looked open world and just thought oh please let that be the gameplay you know and if if you remember playing Sonic CD the original um, intro and outros to that that was all sort of real sort of Sonic action and that that that's mm-hmm. what I'm hoping the series will eventually get to and I I enjoyed the bits in Sonic Adventure, where it was sort of free roaming, you could do bits, but yeah, then it, it led into the action bits. But you could sort of jump out of them at any time and sort of roam around. You know, you weren't you weren't tied to it so much. And this just looks like what we've seen before and again. And I I realise everyone liked Sonic Generations. It was it was a mm-hmm. breath of fresh air at the time. You know, it um, it kind of pulled things back from the spiral that such horrible games like Sonic Heroes and the rest had, had given us um, yeah. and, and Sonic Boom and all that lot um, but you know that that was its niche that was its good thing you had classic Sonic you had modern Sonic and you had a story revolving around it that was good that's fine you know leave, leave it be I mean unless you're going to try and expand on that with Sonic Generations 2 but I mean it. I just like that as its thing and leave it with its thing trying mm-hmm. to do it again. I'm hoping there's a, there's a reasonable explanation for it in this one, yeah. and, and I hope there's there's a lot more to to what we see than than that. You know, I mean, I, I saw Zelda. I got excited. I saw Mario Odyssey. I got excited. You know, Zelda. Uh, sorry, um, Final Fantasy. Yeah, excited yep. for that. You look at this, and I just think it's the same old thing again. You know, it yeah, it doesn't do it for me yet, and the title does not help. Sonic Forces does not exactly sound. <laughs> No, I mean, because it does kind of evoke that whole team thing, and everybody's like, freaking give up on the team thing. You know what? Yeah. Just go back to Sonic and maybe Tails and just just have a good time, you know, rather than having all these people. Mm. And then, um, Mm. yeah, no, I I remember watching that trailer, and I was like, I kind of looked at it, and I was like, have you just not learned? No, you know, uh, yeah. And then uh, I love the uh, the title treatment (laughs) at the very end, like... (laughs) 
just the, the the display of the title at the end was fantastic. I looked at it and it was like it made me think of um how oh god what was that game on the on Mars where you destroyed everything. Uh, Red Faction. Red Faction. Red Faction. Yeah. yeah. It like it totally had that sort of vibe to it with the star and the text and I was like yeah. are you was kidding thinking, me? <laughs> that doesn't look Sonic. No, no, yeah, it's weird. No, it, Yeah, you know, it I mean, looks I, like I did like this sort of classic Sonic, but I mean, they're doing Sonic Mania, which we'll get onto next, so I don't understand why they keep pulling that through and, yeah, it's weird, isn't it, that they go off on a tangent with a title, something they really shouldn't do, or like in the past where they've like, let's partially mummify Sonic and see if that's popular, you know, but then when it comes to Game, the gameplay is the bit that's tired that we're kind of fed up with. I mean, yeah, it's it's nice a little bit to just sort of go on autopilot and just hold up on the stick, and all you got to worry about is maybe the occasional well-timed jump and and homing attack. And it's yeah. all nice and fancy as everything's wishing past you and things are blowing up in the background and all the rest of it. But you want you want more than that, you know? You want you yeah. want a bit more substance, and you know the, the technology's there these days, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I want more of that open world kind of feel. I've I've seen some good um, projects by other people that that look encouraging, you know, that kind of thing. And that's yeah. that's what I was really hoping for. So I I still keep I wake up at night and just think, ah, 2006 preview video. That that was amazing. If only that could come to light, that that would be awesome. But you know, early days. It's one level. It's one video. But yeah, well, it, we'll see it, how it goes. Yeah, but it, my initial impression was, wow, that could have just been lifted from 2006 as an unfinished level or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I'm kind of with you. It seems like they have, like, a good idea and a bad idea every single time that they come up with something decent to do. So, like, Sonic Mania might actually be decent, um, which was, by the way, uh, it was delayed to um, this summer. Uh, so From the spring. Not a huge yeah. delay. No, not, not, not major. Family. Hopefully this will deliver on what we kind of hoped Sonic 4 would be. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> that goes, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's nice. It's nice the retro, isn't it? The the 2D and that. Um, it's good fun. Yeah, um, be good for Switch and stuff and take it around. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm still ever hopeful for a really good um, main console PlayStation 4 Sonic game that you know utterly utterly love. I uh, haven't really haven't had that since Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast. That was the last Sonic. Maybe game they should just revive anyway. Sonic Adventure. Well, yeah, right. th- uh, well, that's what a lot of people on the internet were asking for. They were asking for Sonic Adventure Three. Very definitely that's what they wanted. You know, I I I would have thrown my hat in with those guys and said, yeah, yeah, that's that's, kind that's of good enough. I'll take it. Yeah, and also those haven't. Bearing mind, I didn't really enjoy some of the things they did in Sonic Adventure Two. I think yeah. you know, sticking tails in that machine thing just was a bit annoying <laughs> yeah um, but uh, there you go um yeah yeah so sonic will probably somehow outlive us all because sonic just never dies for some reason because um, <laughs> it's all they have <laughs> yeah i know right um anyways moving on from moving on um it's time for a topic of the week which is uh for background um i was discussing the purpose of sort of criticism in reviews and uh, talking about how um, what was once good is not necessarily good anymore. Our standards change over time. And I kind of wanted to get 
your guys' opinions on how art moves forward and how we think reviews, I guess, should be approached when considering that. Yeah. Um, did uh, anybody have anything they wanted to say on the topic? <laughs> I have a lot I want to say. I'm just thinking uh, where to where start. You start? <laughs> yeah. I'll start. Yeah. Um, I, th- I so, think it depends on how you consider what you consider to be good. I mean, I think right. a review, in essence, is a judge of how much someone likes it. And, la- and like is based on our appeal. Right. Art is no different than any other thing. Like, clothing in the 80s, uh, at the time, was appealing. Because it, every, like, every, everyone found it appealing, therefore it was good. But looking mm-hmm. it back on differently, we no longer find that appealing, therefore it is now bad. Um, right. And I think art is the same way. The things we look for in games and the standards we judge things by are constantly changing. And I think reviews have to take that into account. There, there is no default binary code of this is good, this is bad. Um, it's all down to your, like, subjective to the own each reviewer, but also in general, what the current, what, what is currently appealing in that sense. Okay. So I, I've got one for that. There was a huge wave of um casual gaming and i think there was a particular nintendo console to blame for that um yeah everything seemed to be a casual game a a game for your family your grandma or Mm. it had motion controls or it used um a playstation camera or or an xbox camera or something and i remember thinking oh i'd give my back teeth for just a normal game that had a story had a protagonist had a villain just beginning to end you know not a party game for goodness sake enough with <laughs> with yeah. all these casuals and um of course we know that all went off into the mobile land didn't it and um i think we've thank god we, thank god we've re- returned back to the, the normal hardcore gaming scene as i like to think of it so mm. i would certainly say that certainly um was a huge um eruption Fad, in, 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 in yeah in in gaming that came and went and obviously the reviewers had to sort of adjust accordingly for that i think mm. So do you do you think that in some way shouldn't shouldn't we at least I guess isn't there a good direction for art like I feel like while it to it is largely subjective um but to an extent you can say that you know some art is definitively more significant than others um and it usually tends to follow at least generally forward um, that throughout time art seems to improve. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, uh, the example that I I like to use is uh, 1984 is one of my favorite books of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a fantastic thing to read. It's very thoughtful. It has a lot going on. Um, But realistically, I think that the hunger games is really a better story. It, it, humanizes things in a way that 1984 can't and realistically in the middle of 1984 they kind of drop this manifesto into the middle of the book out of nowhere and disrupts pretty much everything it's terrible for the actual like flow of the the narrative um which is obviously something that the hunger games doesn't do and by most standards is considered a terrible thing so while it while it is a great thing and it is undoubtedly a good story the contemporaries have built upon that to create something better. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you think that this is the case? Do you think that, say, you know, 1984 will always 
be a 10 out of 10 or do you think that that 10 back in what 49 or whatever is not quite the same as a 10 out of 10 now i think that's um a very interesting example um and i don't want to get you stop me if i get pedantic about how we rate things but i feel like um when you're talking about the true uh the true works of art the things that are um about more than just the sum of its parts um the sort of the things that actually have potential to become timeless like 1984 like right. citizen kane like in our time journey or um, sorry <laughs> or the spice girls <laughs> well yeah in some ways yeah <laughs> um so for those i think 1984 can be um a really high rated work of art even though uh, my favorite thing about it was reading the um the massive explanation about the language that he'd created and it's written from the perspective of the universe so it's kind of justifying the language which doesn't actually exist or doesn't actually have any reason to exist um so it's just like um like art it's just an explanation that has no purpose other than to be interesting in itself. Um, Whereas the narrative itself, um, I didn't find very interesting because he's telling like a drab story, which is deliberately drab. Um, Yes, intentionally. Mm -hmm. He's, I think, excessively detailed. Of course, we've talked before about how um, different people like different styles of writing, but um, for me, I didn't think that was... Um, perfection but the overall message of the book the sort of the fact that we can talk about Orwellian societies and things like that it shows the legacy of the book as something completely peerless Um, and the fact that you can say that something like the Hunger Games takes inspiration um, goes to show how the masterpiece has cemented in time Um, and I think indeed that's what makes um like the pedestal works of arts. And I think that same thing applies to games in that when you're talking about um, things that are, in your opinion, these pedestal pieces, um, it doesn't matter if there are small flaws and it doesn't matter if there are things that don't appeal to you personally or things that happen to you personally during, like say it crashed on you or whatever. Um, yeah that you have to take the art for its value rather than its sum of parts. Certainly. Yeah. And and there are certainly things that have changed everything that came after them. Like Mm -hmm. 1984 changed a lot of sci-fi things. I mean, it it invented a whole slew of tropes and things. And Mm. uh, the hunger games, like I said, I mean, that built upon it. It, The hunger games would not exist without 1984. That Mm. just, it wouldn't be possible. Um, and, and you can see that in, in a lot of things, um, you know, there, obviously there are so many games that just would not exist without super Mario brothers, you know, even if some other game came along and revitalized the game industry that cemented so many things for the industry, for the art form, um, about even like, like the, the first minute of that game, that whole sort of tutorial thing is so elegant in how it explains how the game works. Mm-hmm. And even now, you know, people still manage to get it wrong, but I think that's part of trying to, def- to figure out how to express things in games. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's always changing. 
Like, imagine if in 1999 you were trying to review Final Fantasy VII, and 1999 right. being eight came out, and you think, look at eight, it's beautiful, you've got these realistic-looking cutscenes, you've got these proper human uh, character models, and then you look at seven, right. and it's like blocks of um, whatever, and it's horrific-looking. You wouldn't look yeah. back on seven and say, this is a failure, this is a seven. Like, you're not going to do that, because right. that's not... That's not how you should look at these things. But I think that Absolutely. that comes down to how, re- as in, you don't review things in the past. So, like, it's it's essentially it's a mo- bit of a moot topic. But mm. I think if if you were to review Five Eighty Seven now, you would review it bad because reviews are, are, are a comparison to everything else we have. We find right. something appealing because we know this is better than what we've seen before. And oh, I just said, I just chose that as. I, I meant that they're on the same hardware, so it's a, I know it's, it's many years apart, well, some years apart, but I was trying to think of like a slight, exa- a slight exaggeration of the situation. Say right now we've got, um, especially now, in fact, we've got um, a current year, 2017, but the differences in hardware are so substantial that you look at Horizon and it looks beautiful, and then you look at a Switch game and it looks horrific in comparison. And it exists in the same time period, but um, you sort of, look at each for what they are yeah and and they they grew i mean a final fantasy 8 grew from final fantasy 7 it and in a way your expectations of what it should deliver should be greater it it, in a very contemporary setting it's um i was planning on talking about this maybe later were the animations in uh, mass effect andromeda which have you know, people have been given a hard time. Yeah, that's relevant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it, you know, um, I can definitely see where it's a problem because every now and then there's some weird animations, and I'll talk about that more later. But realistically, the problem with the animations is not the um, the problem that they're not necessarily good. So much as I think, when you look back at Mass Effect Three, I think a lot of people expected better than what they got. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a, so, that's a difficult situation that. Yeah, yeah. Um so uh, aside from that um I I wanted to posit that um the role of a critic in even reviewing something or, or attaching a score to it part of their purpose is sort of to guide things forward um to sort of plant a, a flag in the ground and say, you know, this is what I like, this is what I did not like, and sort of be a guidepost for progress. Yeah, I can see um I can see that being of merit. I kind of I'm a bit concerned about that in um there's sort of two ways that can go in that if first of all, um Forgive me for picking on your words, but if Go for if you say this is what I like and this is what I don't like, and it becomes too personal, I think that's um, a potential downfall in a critic. In that, um, if they make it too personal, and then it kind of doesn't reflect truly on what the industry should be, but what they're sort of greedily wanting. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean. I, I would never say that a reviewer should be going about it for that effect. Mm-hmm. A, a reviewer should not be looking at something and saying, well, if I review it this way, mm-hmm. this will be the result. That's really not, I don't think, the purpose of a reviewer. 
the reviewer is supposed to analyze what they're looking at. But yeah. in in an overall way, I guess in a societal way instead of sort of a psychological way, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, what the purpose that the reviewer plays as it pertains to art is to sort of guide it in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, that, that cannot be their per- the, their intention. Um, but in a way that's kind of what they inadvertently end up doing. Mm-hmm. And that's their sort of s- the space that the, that they occupy. Yeah. But in essence, that's, that's natural selection at work in the, um, yeah. it's basically high, like, like same as a restaurant reviewer, they'll say, mm-hmm. if this restaurant is bad, this is good. Therefore the people will go to the good one the bad one will die out. So right. the bad one has to then adapt to improve or it will, or it will not succeed. And like that, yeah. that basis is why, why we have critics, why we have reviewers, because it, because it will, because if, uh, if a, a game is universally not well received, they will not receive money back for it. And therefore that could affect the company as a whole. So for survival, that company would then have to improve and change. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, um, I'd like to, Absolutely agree with you on that. Um, I agree with you in principle, but unfortunately, in um, reality, uh, we haven't seen that effect. Uh, and a lot of sales have not been correlated to um, review scores. Although I think that in an ideal world, it would work um, on a similar way. Not necessarily all review scores dictate sales, but in the fact that the um, the well-made games uh, sell well. Yeah. Yeah, I guess in a practical sense I don't know that it necessarily works quite as well as we'd hope. Mm. Um I, I wonder if I mean trying to figure out how all of that plays into each other. Obviously sequels come because of monetary success usually mm. and, and not because of how things reviewed. And there are certainly cases, I mean, if you look at um the Dynasty Warriors series and whatever. I don't think any critic would necessarily review that particularly highly, yet that game keeps coming out over and over and over, and they've got spin-offs, they've got Hyrule Warriors and all that crap too. So yeah, it's it's not always something that um that follows. But I I do think in some ways maybe it's in the case of some more niche art forms, it sort of informs the vanguard of art. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It certainly affects more um, the games that are more art in the fact that the ones that are aspiring to have a quality game rather than to have quality sales. If you right. Yeah, and I, I would say, you know, it's one of those things where it's not necessarily one-to-one, but I'm sure there is a correlation to some extent. You know, I mean, part of the reason why you know, Dynasty Warriors and all that stuff sells, you know, it, it has an audience, but that, you know, I'm sure that without great review scores, that would never explode, really, hmm. you know. So. And I think your overall sentiment is rings true in that um, the fact that critics critique and that they uh, sometimes they demand more uh, leads that the ambitious developers to push further and uh, uh if we hadn't had people saying uh Zelda is getting repetitive we wouldn't have a huge open world breath of the wild and yep. if we hadn't had people saying 
Killzone is getting dull, we wouldn't have Horizon Zero Dawn. And I hate to yeah. use the same examples over time, but or say Mass Effect. If we hadn't had people saying, you know, they're sick of uh, the, sh- well, not sick of Shepard, but that Mass Effect is getting stale, um, they wouldn't have done this sort of soft reboot. Yeah. Yep. Anything else to add? I think that was pretty. Uh... More just a summary of, um, I like back to the original points. Like reviewers are useful thing, but back to the original point of, I think yes, re- uh, reviews do change. And a ten before for me would no longer be a ten now. But if you review it objectively, but then that's what has to happen. That's a sign of its of review working. I mean, that is essentially what criticism is for, right? I mean, mm-hmm. constructive criticism. The the idea that by putting forth uh, constructive criticism that something would improve. I mean, that's why you do it in the first place, is for that progress to happen, right? It's difficult, isn't it? Because hindsight's a wonderful thing, but then yeah. also, you know, it, someone who came to, came to a product without any previous knowledge of it, versus someone who, yeah, I was there at the time when it came out, I've, I've played it when it was original, and I appreciate it, you know, when, whenever you look at it, it's hard not to look at it again, back mm-hmm. with your eyes from from the from the past isn't it and yeah why you know you endear it i mean on the other hand you know sometimes although things do get better you know technology advances doesn't necessarily mean that that's not going to be as good as it was and, and there are some instances where you know you've taken that that quality product from before tried to improve upon it and actually just kind of ruined it a little bit you know, um, the, Star Wars, the original original films and, and the remasters with the changes made to yeah, it. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think it's one Not all changes good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, just leave well enough alone. That 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 is going to go down in the history of, of cinema art, isn't it? The, the original Star Wars films. You, you just can't get around that. No matter what any critic said now or back then, yep. that is forever part of the history of cinema. You know, just like Charlie Chaplin, you know. You, yeah. You, that is just part of it now. Um, it's interesting how art itself has evolved it i always think it's kind of evolved out of entertainment but it gets to the point where it's no longer just entertainment but it is um it it invokes um a reaction or um you know a feeling and that's when you start sort of getting into into art you know um you think originally you know painting which was the probably one of the first or music you know that that was really expensive the materials for that you know the oh yeah the, the instruments or the the paint and the and the palette but then as time has moved on those have become more accessible easier to to make uh, available to the masses and you've had more and more people able to do them you've had more composers more painters mm. and then th- they have experimented you know originally it was portraits and landscapes and that was it and then you've got yeah. you know um you, you've got um all different kinds of of drawings um I'm trying to think of them now you know you know uh, abstract impressionists and, and yeah and all of that and, and, and nowadays <laughs> you've got anime you know that that yeah. is a form of art you know it, it's amazing how it got i mean when games first came out they were very clearly just entertainment but now you've got mm-hmm. ones that are making you scared they're making you think that they're making you you know concerned about issues and things you know they teach you things as documentaries and informative mm. things yeah, exactly. You know, I'm, it's it's amazing how it will grow, and we're we're still very early on in 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 these industries, aren't we? You know, we come. Oh yeah. 
you know, by the time we're we're getting close to the end of uh, of our <laughs> time like on this earth, I don't like that we, sentiment. We only have uh, human lives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you know, we look back at it then, and then we can really sort of see what what's gone on. And, and don't you know, tell me how great games will be in twenty two hundred because I. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> No, yeah. maybe not quite that far. Well, not unless you've got any sort of artificial means up your sleeve. But um, I, I plan yeah, yeah. to get live long after that. <laughs> I, I, I do think that, um, in a way, even absent um, reviewers, art has evolved in a lot of ways, even just by um, people looking at the expressions of others. I mean, the more people that are expressing themselves um, through their art, the more interaction there is the more refined those expressions are going to become you know mm. so which but is yeah i mean reviewers are helpful like you say some of them they, they give you a bit more of an opinion um review mm. other ones it's very kind of factual they they take it very sort of formulaic and they just say does this right for that genre it does that kind of a bit differently which is interesting yeah. or it, it kind of messes that a bit up completely you know and you, you can yeah. take a very factual look at that and or you can sort of take a look at the opinion and go oh you know, i kind of understand this reviewer we're both of the same mindset based on previous games or movies yeah. and things and you can you can get a kind of feel for it and think yeah I, I kind of agree i'm on the same wavelength as this guy and um then you can look at their their new ones but it's it's all just kind of guides isn't it i mean in in the end art becomes art and I think there's yeah. very little what um, odd reviewers here and there end up saying, isn't it? It's, it's what history deems it. It'd be quite interesting when, um, yeah, yeah. W- when we become history. <laughs> yeah, I think on the point of um, the quality reviewers, the truly uh, exceptional and well-informative reviewers, uh, if you think of your favourite film critic, um, and if they're worth any salt, they'll um, they'll sort of know other films, um, and they'll... I mean, they may or may not reference them, but in their head, they'll know all the other films that um, are sort of derived and similar to. And yeah. I think in games, like when you say, like you've watched uh, Prometheus and then you th- you think of how it compares to Alien, that in time they're very different, but no one looks badly on Alien. The fact that it was shot in standard definition and Prometheus in 1080p, like, um, so I think... They're, they're yeah. kind of, I'm not saying rose-tinted glasses, but you have to kind of see things uh, through, like, the time window of um, what it exists as. And uh, I know Ace was saying that we have a tendency to see things as we enjoyed them at the time, but mm. games, I think, well, somewhat applies as well, in that it kind yeah. of goes together with a bit of a scale. Yeah, I mean, realistically, like, my wife is not much into Mario games. Uh, she likes Mario uh, Super Mario World, but she didn't really much care for one through three because she's, you know, playing them now versus back in the day. And to her, the relevance is not particularly important. She, this is not her thing. She's not super into it or uh-huh. anything like that. Whereas to me, even games that I don't necessarily enjoy playing for enjoying to play them, I even enjoy them in some ways just to see what that was at that time. You know, to see how they were significant in their time in relation to the other pieces of art that came before and after. Um, And in that way, I take a a different kind of pleasure from that sort of, you know, historical significance. Um, And I'm quite fond of the fact that we can uh, actually do that. That's That's a pretty awesome thing. 
I think that's uh, we've, we've covered pretty much every part of this. It's actually been a very deep podcast so far. We've had. <laughs> yeah, uh, very I'm struggling to let it go. But I'm trying. I'll, 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 yeah, bring, yeah. I'll bring the topic back and just say I like Jar Jar Binks. So. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Jar Worms. And next week's topic: lynch mobs. <laughs> <laughs> a lynch mob was censored in Australia. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. All right. So we're going to move on from that and move on to uh, the popular trophies for the past week. Hey, it's back. <laughs> You're back. <laughs> nice. I, just, I thought it was a coincidence. I was like, wow, that was lucky timing. Yeah, right. I save a trophy every week just for that sound effect. <laughs> uh, right. Yes. Top of the trophy pops. 50 most popular trophies this week. Um, 21st March 2017. Um, this week we have to say goodbye to uh, Disc Jam, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands. I keep wanting to say Wetlands. Um, and Neo <laughs> Automator. Uh, leaving the chart solely filled by our good Horizon Zero Dawn. However, it's a little bit quiet as there's only 671 wins for the most popular trophy. Uh, in the past, we've had like a thousand or two and a half thousand wins. So it's, it's a bit of a quieter week, I think. Um, maybe that's related to maybe other console releases recently, or, or maybe <laughs> gamers are hitting the harder parts of. What other consoles? <laughs> that's a very good one that uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a home console that's also a mobile one um, <laughs> so yeah that's, um, it's Horizon Zero Dawn at spot one uh, with it's a secret achievement so I, I'm guessing it's kind of story related but I don't think it's too much of a spoiler uh, saved Meridian from its foe 671 wins plus of course oh, now, you, now there's no point in even playing it <laughs> Actually, it doesn't say per- what the foe is, does it? I mean, I presume there's no. a foe, isn't there? Uh, it, it, for people that are concerned that that's a spoiler, Meridian has many foes, so don't worry. <laughs> it didn't really tell you a whole lot. It also doesn't say what Meridian is, so I still have no idea what's happening. Yeah, isn't right. that isn't that the world of Zero Dawn? I don't know. Ah, spoiler! It's a misspelling <laughs> of one of the cities from Pokemon. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, so anyway um, predictions for next week I've got my mystical magical all seeing Sheikah slate here I reckon next week is going to be wall to wall Mass Effect Andromeda oh. yeah and and maybe some uh, everything I wouldn't be surprised to see that make the list I don't think it'll be all Mass Effect I think Horizon will linger probably Ah, seems to be slowing down a bit on this. Well, th- that might not be the case. Um, I imagine the the saved Meridian one is probably a later game trophy. So mm. if that's number one, I think a lot of people are moving towards the end at this point. Yeah. Um, so there there may be some, but I wouldn't expect a whole lot. We saw with uh, Final Fantasy fifteen that it just moved to later chapters as the weeks went on. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. If you look at that one, it is like the I think the second or third trophy from the bottom in the um, PlayStation order. If mm. that is. Uh, any correlation yep. to the story order. Yeah. yeah, and then I think the one after that is um, the one that sounds like it's missable, but it's not actually missable. Um, so that that's a pro tip. The one that sounds like it's missable, where you have to get all your allies, don't worry, it's not actually missable. Um, oh. The when, when you... When you finish the game, you go back to just before the, you know, final mission or whatever, and you can get all of the things, and then restart that so that's 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 a good thing isn't it that there should be something like mm-hmm. a, a label for games that end game and it's like 
yeah, end of the game is end of the game. You start, or end of the game, you can continue doing quests and sides and things. Or, you know, you you do need to get some stuff done before the end, isn't there? There's all different kind of categories for it. Yeah, there's the uh, late game, end game, post game. <laughs> A new game plus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff in there. So, yep. yeah. Game, game ending kind of category would be good, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Now we move on to uh, game highlights. Um, so normally we talk about what we've been playing, but I wanted to sort of separate, you know, the significant significant games we've been playing um, and put those in its own space to talk about and so that we can uh, spend a little less time talking about all of the random games that we just happen to be playing. Um, so this week uh i just finished uh telltale batman and i know that um prince is quite the fan and then uh brad <laughs> did you did you play that i have not that's like the only one i haven't touched yet ah did you did you play that ace uh no no okay so <laughs> guys we'll, we'll, got some down we'll we'll keep this one brief and then um maybe i'll uh talk about a horizon a little bit more or something i don't know we'll figure it out um but uh so yeah I, I finished the telltale batman and um so prince what do you think of it um i i thought i might have to let you lead because the things that come into my head are all the like uh significant moments i.e all the spoiler moments so yeah so we'll, we'll try not to uh spoil it since absolutely here um have not played it. Um, I, I have to say that I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I enjoyed the various decisions, the ability to do stuff as Bruce Wayne or Batman. Um, and I don't know how significant some of those things are, but they happen through to the end of the game. So I, I would like to know, though I don't know that I'd really care to go back and play it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so you played it the once, right? Just the once, yep. Um and for for the most part, I, I stuck with the nice guy, Bruce Wayne, you know, the one that um, recognizes the value of family and doesn't, you know, put aside the entire Bat family and run off by himself. <laughs> I know what you're alluding to. Uh, <laughs> there are things later in the game though, that are not black and white. They're not good and evil. Um, yeah. Or mean or uh, nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, but it, so it is a fun game, I think, and I think I quite enjoyed it. Um, I have to say, it felt significant enough. I, I don't know that um, I liked it quite as much as Wolf Among Us, mm-hmm. um, but I think probably pretty close for me. Oh, I found my old notes on Batman. There you go. Um, so I was going to say, I mean, this was weeks ago, but I wrote. Um, did you also? You might have also found this uh, problem. You get a cool season summary after the last episode's choices stats, but blink and you'll miss it as you can't see it in your choices section like everything else. That annoyed me actually. <laughs> that annoyed me enough to write it down. <laughs> That's how. Yeah, um, I, I you know I don't know that I really paid that much attention to it. I was getting frustrated at the fact that I could not skip the recap from the previous episode, even though I literally just played it. Uh-huh. Um, that was kind of driving me nuts. Um, so it was that, and then I, uh, I had an issue whereby I went from episode four directly into episode five, and the game ran like crap. 
and I had to yeah. restart the whole thing to play it because I think it's just doing a crap job of removing the old stuff from memory. Well, but I don't really know what's going on there. But. I played episode five um, on its own, but the start of episode five is just really poorly made. Uh, but oh, thankfully, okay. it improves after that. Yeah, um, that's true. It does some dumb things on occasion, um, but it does it does manage to. Um, I don't know challenge Bruce Wayne in a lot of interesting ways that I really enjoyed. Did you find the choices difficult, uh, especially towards the end? Yeah, I, I do think that some of the choices got a little bit more difficult as things got went on, though eventually I, I kind of, I mean, some of them were had obvious answers for me. Mm. Uh, there were a couple where I was like, man, I really want to do this, but I should be the good guy. Or you know, there, <laughs> well, then you attempted very, to stray. There, there were some very tempting um, scenarios. I wrote down, I can't remember what examples I was thinking of, but I wrote down most of the choices in episode five only have one good answer, which is quite a disappointment for a Telltale game. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I thought four perhaps was more morally conflicting. Um, perhaps i mean I, it kind of all runs together because i played three four and five right in a row so it's uh, not um not really spoiling anything but the end of episode four uh has a choice that uh gives you a completely different scene and there's i think one similar choice in episode five i think interesting. what, what Telltale does very well what you said about moral is that Telltale games are like the good ones at least have a, have a distinct knack of making you hate yourself when you make a choice mm. because the choices are so like Walking Dead was one I thought was worse for that. Most the biggest for that is like there are times you make a choice and you don't want to make either of them because you want yeah. both choices and you want no choices, and you pick one and you see the consequences of your choice and you just hate yourself as a result. Mm. I think Telling is always great for like tugging right at the heartstrings while making those choices that difficult. Yeah, uh, to to be without spoilers, there was a particular point, um, the part where you're in the car, and I was like, I don't know which choice to make, and yeah. it turns out. I mean, I ended up not making a choice, and, and, you know, I think that actually fit the scenario pretty well. Oh. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, there were certainly instances where I was like, I don't even know what to do right now. <laughs> um, well, that's good. That means it's working. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was kind of lukewarm, because it's a little hard to talk about that without uh, going into spoilers. <laughs> um, but y you enjoyed it? You'd recommend it? I would recommend it um, for its merits. I would say that it's got a very different take on the Batman um, story. Not very different, Which but I... it's, it's trying something different at its core. Um, and the experience of having a sort of action off Batman and a more like a, a Bruce Wayne-led Batman, um, mm. that's interesting. And especially the final... Um, question the final dialogue um yeah. that makes you it makes the characters reflect on who they are and what they mean um but it also if if you've sort of involved in the story it makes the player reflect on what um batman means to you and after so many years of batman so many interpretations that's not only a first but it's a very significant reflection um mm -hmm. of who the batman is Ooh, yeah. um batman. yeah right um, yeah, I have to agree that it played with the Batman mythos just enough to be particularly interesting. Mm. Um, uh, the end of 
episode three, I thought was particularly uh, awesome. And then um, there was think, a, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, that was great. And then um, I thought particularly bad, maybe um, for me, I did something as Bruce Wayne in episode five with uh, Cobblepot, and I thought that was particularly poor, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't quite enjoy that because it didn't make a whole lot of sense why characters were doing what they were doing. But, uh, but otherwise, I, I think you know, playing with the mythos, they they did just enough to mix things up and and provide an interesting separate story that is fun. I think if you uh, are not too attached to having Batman a certain way. Hmm. So, Although- where would you rate it in Telltale Games as as your favorites? Is it like up in the top five or is it? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I've, I've only played um, like Wolf Among Us and then the rest I, I kind of played here, here and there and I need to catch up on. Um, so I don't know that I could say um, which game it falls before or after. Um, my, my impression is that it's probably one of the lower ones. Um, but it's still a good game, mm. I think. Enjoyable. Um, I think it fails on uh, what Telltale could have done and have done in the past. In the, it fails on the sort of uh, story potential, and it fails almost completely on the consequences. Um, yeah. But as a sort of narrative, um, and especially a Batman narrative, it's that's why I would recommend it. Um, but yeah, in terms of as one of the best Telltale games, probably not really. Yeah, yep. I, I mostly agree, especially with the consequences. You're right. It, um, the the implications of certain things as they were happening were interesting, but you know, with it being Batman, there is to a certain extent, you know, you know, there are certain hard lines that they're probably not going to cross. Um, though they do again mix things up, so you're never entirely sure. Mm. Um, all right so with that out of the way um this this was uh we'll probably get into this a, a little bit more as we get into uh other games um but we'll just jump into what you guys have been playing um so uh the two of you have been kind of quiet so why don't you start off ace okay um some of this is from last week so i think we had to skip through this bit um yeah so, sorry, we're in a little bit of a hurry. Uh, something came up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so I went back to uh, the Playroom VR because they released um, some DLC called Toy Wars with uh, three extra trophies. As I noticed, I no longer had 100% on it. Um, bum, bum, bum. Yeah, so I went I went back to finish that. It's, it's sort of an interesting mode. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, I guess you'd attribute it to kind of like a horde mode or something. You know, the... The um, VR person has um, got a gun turret and they're sort of shooting at these sort of alien block creatures that are coming to invade the toy room. Um, And then the additional players with the TV and ordinary controllers are piloting these um, slightly larger um, uh, little critter characters that are in their kind of, I suppose, sort of ninja uh, transformation mode um, and they're sort of just punching and kicking and, and, and swirling around to try and take them out um, it starts off easy and then you know pretty soon there's an awful lot of them and you, you're going to get overwhelmed if they get to the turret guy um, they they just hit it with a couple of hits and, and you're done, that's it, end of it so um, 
I, I definitely recommend having um, at least two other people, I think, to, if you seriously want to get through through that and, and win it. There, ah. There's a trophy for winning, there's a trophy for losing, and I think there's one for uh, setting off a bomb with enough of enemies within the vicinity of, um, of the Blast classic. Radius. Yeah. So, the the uh, classic cluster luck trophy? Yeah, yeah that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, they're not too bad. I would say the only hard one is trying to win it on your own. I definitely wouldn't advise that. You um, you need a couple of wingmen um, to help you through that. Um, yeah, but um, it was all right. I had a bit of fun with the family. You know, there was a couple of us and sort of screaming and yelling, look out for that grey one, and there's a yellow one flying above your head and all that kind of thing. So yeah, it was good, interesting, and it brought, brought a bit of life to it. I was a bit surprised that um, DLC came out. It was quite recent. Um, you know, um, when the VR came out quite a while back. So it was a sudden surprise and a bit quiet. I didn't sort of mention it too much. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a good addition, I think, to the rest of it. Free, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've gone back to struggling through a few more PlayStation VR worlds. I, um, I thought it. I'd finish, I'd finish off the getaway because that was probably the easier the ones to do. Um, I was in the van trying to do all the different, um, interactions that you can do so you're twiddling with all the air ducts in the in the window and trying for the life of me to tune in all the correct channels on the radio which is not a pain oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is the one that usually got me because um you get attacked pretty soon on and everything gets shot out in in the van and that takes out the radio so if you haven't managed to twiddle it to classic and twiddle it to the chat one fast enough then you've got to sort of restart that level again and it's like oh um <laughs> Oh dear. And then you just you just have to play it like several times just to get enough chances of um shooting out bikes and and uh and uh, vans uh, especially hitting their their tanks that they explode. Um yeah. and I think I think I discovered that they don't count for each other so that they're, they're separate counts you got to do the trucks separately and you got to do the the bikes separately. Um wow. Yeah, so it's it's a bit of a pain. But um there you go. It's it's not the worst thing to do. And then I did the one, the actual heist bit where you're stealing the diamond. You have to yeah. shoot everyone using one clip, mm-hmm. which is wow. a bit annoying because you start off with it unloaded because I went to fire and nothing happened. So, like, so I have to press the button to load it. So I pressed it once to load it, and then I went for headshots the whole time. And then when I checked it, I didn't get it. So I went back and did exactly the same thing again. Um, I can't. I, I might. I don't know if I maybe missed someone the first time, but then shot them with a second shot in the head. And whether this time I just headshots all round first time and that did it. But I don't know. It 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 seemed a bit a bit finickety. So. Flaky, huh? Bit yeah, a bit flaky on that one. But um, so that's that's that one done. So that it just leaves me with um, uh, the luge and um, scavenger and uh, danger ball, oh, which. It's a pain. I still haven't managed to... You're really looking forward to that, huh? Oh, I, I still can't just finish the tournament. I get to the last guy. Um, what is it? Uh, Necro? Uh, and um, he transforms into all the other ones. Now, some of them are pretty easy. You know, you know yeah. their weakness. You can get by them. And in some of the others, you can just wear them down over time. But there's yeah. there's one that he um, imitates. I forgot what his one. Oh, sorry. No, it's night. Is it is it Nitro? 
Yeah, they're very similar. Nitro. Now, this guy will always catch the ball at the other end every time. You, you can never get it past him. <laughs> and Sounds just, like a nightmare. Yeah, and he just sort of buzzes around in all in all different directions with this sort of charging up noise, and then he releases it at you. And after you've heard this about 500 times, it really starts to annoy you. You just, you know, you fire it back, and he's caught it, and then you just hear him charging up, and he chucks it back at you, and you just, oh. And th- this is after you, you've done six of them, uh, the other ones, to get to this stage. And then, yeah, then he beats you, and then you have to do it all over again. It's it's a nightmare. And then there's the score attack that, yeah, you know, very quickly the ball starts coming back at you so fast. It's <laughs> it's a nightmare to try and send it back. You get three three balls or three lives. You really need to make the first one last as long as possible because the second and third one just get back to that insane speed very quickly. So they last for about 30 seconds if you're lucky, probably less than that. On yeah. Let's go. So um, it's 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 really annoying, you know. It, it it the difficulty leaps right there, you know. It's not gradual. Yeah. It's just everything else was fun and good, and then you have got these last few challenges and things that are just way off the scale on difficulty. It's yeah. and it's, it's frustrating because you you had to keep going back to the beginning and play all these other guys. All get, over. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a pain. Yeah, it's clearly. It's clearly haunting you, I can tell. It is. I know, I've gone back and tell, tell myself, do not get PlayStation VR Worlds, because it will drive you bonkers. Okay. Don't do it. And then... <laughs> so, yeah. So, the the last one is... Um, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> so, so, this game is totally related to things that we play. So, I don't want to hear none of this. It's not a PlayStation game. It, it's a very significant game. But you've been playing Zelda, right? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I've been playing Zelda. Yeah, I mean it's it's an open world game, so I'm typically very slow at these kind of ones. So, I mean, for anyone who knows Zelda, I will say I have gotten off the Great Plateau. I've gotten that far. <laughs> hey, um, that's I've, a few hours in, to be fair. Is it all right? Well, yeah, it's probably even longer the way I do it. Um, <laughs> I, I found every Korok seed on on the Great Plateau before I left it. I'm that anal. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Um, so yeah so I've done all that I've I've gone through a couple of uh, villages and I've done the whole stable thing I I scoured to get a particular amiibo so that I could have a really nice horse and then I pretty much just put it in the stable and leave it there too afraid to lose it or anything and just, and just pick a wild one and just sort of yeah do that I mean I even used one that I didn't bother registering it. I just sort of rode out with it, got to where I wanted to, and then just travelled back and just left it there. <laughs> I know. I was PCA after me, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, when I went back, it was still actually there, actually. So um, if I get round to being bothered, I might ride it all the way back to the stable and, and register it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 good. But I'm at that stage where it's kind of left you. I mean... It, it's told you about another ancient tech lab to go to, but it's just so way off in the map. And yeah. I've I've been bitten. And you'll remember on our podcast we were talking about Final Fantasy, where I kind of veered off the beaten track a little bit too much and came yeah. across a huge gigantic monster. Yeah, well, it, it's it's that again, deja vu again. You know, if you yeah. if, if you don't kind of follow the sort of beginner track or the safe track you veer off too far and you come across a, a centaur minotaur kind of thing and it just utterly oh, rips you to pieces i think yeah um or i found 
guardians that actually move. Not just one, <laughs> but just two, three of them. And there's me trying to run away from them. And there's this great big, um, uh, what do you call them, spire towers? Whatever they yeah. were there. And I'm thinking, if I can just climb up there and just activate it. Then you I went just... to Hyrule Field, didn't you? Uh, is that the one in the middle? Yeah. yeah. That's yes, the one right next to Hyrule Castle, the, the huge thing it's with not right next miasma to it. next to it. <laughs> that one, it's in the distance of Hyrule Castle. It's, it's but yeah, the same region, one, Hyrule Castle. Yeah, it's the same region, but it's miles away from it. Yeah, and then, yeah, once I got up there and unlocked it, I realised, <laughs> ah, this is the one that then unlocks... Yeah, this yeah, is the can... late, this is the end game area yeah. I've yeah. been to. Well, I, I tell that, you why. I tell you why I was there. Quickly. The reason why I was there was because I had gotten. You're supposed to find these memories, and there was one that kind of looked vaguely familiar. Yeah, so I went back to the um, Great Plateau, leaped off it, found that one, got the picture, and then just kind of saw a tower in the very near distance and thought, well, i head over to that one. And then, yeah, <laughs> run into a, a swarm of bloody guardians and regretting it. And then the game auto-saved where I was. They granted, with this thing, it is nice. It gives you, like, eight auto-saves. So I, I probably could have backtracked if I wanted to. But mm. at this stage, I was bit, bit, a bit stubborn, and I thought, I'm going to well, get out that tower. I'm going to get yeah, out that there's tower. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> the thing about this is that it's not like Final Fantasy in that you get out-leveled by anything. You can yeah. fight anything if you have enough resources for it uh, um, even Ganon, obviously. They, they, they get a beam on you and you can hear it coming and you know in five yeah. seconds you're dead there's and nothing you can do as you get more talented and as you learn more tricks of the game um you realize that the beams can be fought with even the crappiest gear you just i'm not going to spoil the trick but you there right. are things there are there are ways you can fight the Guardians more easily. I'd re- recommend not fighting the Lynels, the Minotaur things, because those are incredibly hard, um, and right. you would have to be extremely um, agile to fight yes, them with low-level weapons. That, but, that was the other picture I did. So I went up there, got the picture, did the memory, stuck my head through the gate, and there's one right there. And then the next thing, I'm legging it like crazy as he's, yeah. he's hurling these ice... Um, arrow bolts. I mean, not just ice arrows like the ones you've got. These things are mega, and they—he's firing them up into the sky. And I'm thinking, what's he doing? Next thing I know, they're raining <laughs> down right on my head, and I'm like, ah! But to be fair, Lionel is like the death claw of this game. That you really—you can try and fight them, but you're really not going to be able to. Even what? in even in the late game, you need skill to fight them because they are pretty much the hardest enemies in the open world. I think he so, just question. <laughs> uh, question is is the developer there just having a bit of a laugh with you or what the, the fact that the first no, memories they kind of direct you to happen to be right next no, to the hardest the village is that just to slap you down and go <laughs> i would give two hints about the main progression for breath of the wild one is that every player um should go to the first tech lab and get a certain upgrade for your slate which gives you a compendium and i don't think that's really spoiling anything Compendium is what you need. Yeah. Yeah. So without saying what that entails, um, you need that. And once you have that, then anything, the world is your oyster. So um, beeline, you don't have to beeline, but I mean, go through the story until you get the compendium. Then you can completely abandon the story um, because everything after that is um, at your own pace because none of the unlocks after that are necessary uh, for your own benefit. And um, with the pictures... How useful is that, though? That just seems like utter nerdgasm where you're like... 
Oh, you, you should have got an anorak well, in there for, for, for Link, you know, so you can just go around sort of train spotting and, and no, <laughs> no, no. pictures of everything. That's that's not that's not the the point. I mean, um, it's it's part of your compendium. I mean, I'm really trying not to spoil what it is, but um, <laughs> if you want to complete the game fully, you're gonna want that earlier because. Otherwise, you explore the whole world, and then and you then get this thing, it. which requires you to document the whole world, yeah, and, no, and you, that, you're screwed. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. why you should get it early, because um, it will supplement your travels, everything thereafter. That's and a good it, point, actually, because I suppose now it means you can't ever get a picture of the old man. No, you can't. You don't get pictures of characters anyway. Um, oh, right. But, okay. It was just her that wanted but, a picture. Then. Mm. Yeah, the other thing is that with the um, pictures... And similarly with all the main quests, it's not like this is your next objective. It's an open world. So this is an objective. This is something to keep in mind. And with the pictures, certainly, you should not go and immediately try and track them down because then you basically just ruin the game for yourself. Um, it's like if you had um, like any open world game like Watch Dogs and you go and complete the whole main story and then you're like, there's all this shit in the open world to do, then you're going to hate the game. Yeah, so, so take on the, the story the at your own pace. Don't be like trying trying to hold off for a minute while you whip your camera out and take a picture of this huge Yiga clan member who's got a sword ready to impale you with. Hang on a minute, just take a picture, right? Yeah, that, that's quite nice. It's an action shot. He's coming at me, and then you just put the camera down, and you just lost five hearts or something. And, no, well, don't, oh, that, that don't do that when you're weak. Um, do that when you're strong. The Yaga clan isn't going anywhere. So, <laughs> right, okay. When you have incredibly <laughs> tough armor, you can just like get all these wicked action shots. And it reminds me of Metroid Prime in that you would go into a boss room, and the first thing you do is you get out your scanner and you start to scan this thing that's going to try and kill you. Mm. So, in the interest of pretending that we're having a conversation related to PlayStation, what do you think of, <laughs> what do you guys think of this in relation to other open world games? I think it's Mars better than Horizon Zero Dawn, but then I haven't played that one. <laughs> that's that's not fair. <laughs> that's flame bait. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, should definitely should definitely play Horizon Zero Dawn. Good, good game. And I'm tempted. It's it's interesting to play, like I said, it's interesting to play uh, Horizon next to Zelda because both of them take place in this like nah. weird. Nah, 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 nah. In the metal, future, metal robot dinosaurs are ridiculous. Give me ancient. <laughs> why, why are you trolling this? Why, <laughs> why are you doing? Minotaurs <laughs> makes much more sense. There you go. It's, yeah, it's not. Uh, we're not starting a console war here. Yeah, yeah. We talk. We we like PlayStation. I would you bring consoles into it for? I'm just talking about the game. Yeah. Yeah. it's it's funny because they they so easily sort of um, they're opposites of each other in a way. Like yeah. both of them have climbing, but like Horizon has this sort of really impressive looking, intricate very fast climbing whereas in zelda it's like this really slow methodical but very simple system where you just kind of attach to a wall and <laughs> you can jump but yeah, yeah. no yeah. I, I definitely know what you mean um but it's like it's like that in so many ways where like you know um zelda's survival uh, aspects you don't need to eat or anything, but like you can cook and increase your stats and whatever and and Get horizon's boosts. survival stuff is 
you just find medicine and you use the damn medicine or you use it to craft weapons. Ah, you don't craft but- any weapons in Zelda. It, you just find what you need and you use it. And it's like they are like – the premise is so sim- uh, similar. The idea that it's like this far future and you've got these machine things that are shooting laser beams at you and trying to kill you and it's open world and you ride weird horse things and <laughs> whatever. You know, the the premise is so similar. But Do, do uh, you have villages in Horizon Dawn? Do you have people that, you know, need your help with their day-to-day? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, and it, uh, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, it, and it's, and it's open world and all sorts of different things. And it, but... You know, then they go about doing all of the stuff within it so differently. Like, yeah. Horizon is primarily a ranged stealth game, and Zelda really isn't. Like, it's got stealth elements and it's got ranged combat, but it's really not about engaging in that stuff as much. You know, I don't uh, know the bow's useful. And there's a lot of environmental certainly. setups, you know, where you can drop um, drop bits of the enemies, um, like, uh, and then it sort of explodes and takes a lot of them out. And it well, does that's... help. That's the thing, I think. Um, Zelda is not prescribed to anything. It's not an action game where you every fight right. you just run up to it and you hit it with a sword because everything you can... The the complexity, not the physics necessarily, but the mechanics at its, in its, all its different forms, the physics, the elements, the interaction of objects, the mm-hmm. tools at your disposal, the bomb, the magnet sister stasis yeah, like i was gonna say i use the bomb and the magnesis hell of a lot <laughs> from a oh, distance yeah. so the difference than running up with my you have choice on oh, everything. Yeah. you you can approach a fight from a hundred different ways and you play it you you have to grapple with the mechanics and you have to discover so many different ways of fighting and ways of doing things and that the more you, you the more you discover in it the more it opens up your toolbox and it's it's not as simple as it appears. Like I said, when fighting the Guardians, you can run up to it and slap it with your sword, but the more you That's discover, <laughs> the more you realize there's more to it than that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, in, in some interesting ways, Zelda is, is such a complex game. Um, and then, like, Horizon is maybe not quite as, as strategically thoughtful, but it's a very tactical game. And there's a lot going. It's very action oriented, and um, I mean, there's there's a set of trials that are just it's fantastic. It's 15 different trials, and it's all about attacking or fighting different things. But every single trial is fundamentally different and has you doing something different. Yeah, um, which is great. Um, and and I know Zelda has at least some stuff like that where it's just like it tosses oh, you in a room and it says fight this thing you know <laughs> oh there's um, there's hundreds of trials yeah isn't there and, and the um the I I've only fought maybe one boss if you, I guess the the Yuga clan head or whatever okay and that was that was awesome and it's to- but that is totally different from the way that uh, Horizon plays you know like it's this instead of a David and Goliath type fight, you're engaging in this part puzzle, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, I think it's fascinating how different they are. And I, I think it's yeah. interesting to, to have played both of them at the same time. I don't think it's, it's funny because some people are like, Oh man, why did these two games have to come out so close together? But I'm <laughs> happy that they did, you know? Cause it's saying that with 2000, where we are in 2017, you can make, you can take a blank canvas 
and yeah. in the same genre that ostensibly open world genre you can make such different works yeah um but i think maybe we should uh move on to that because uh bride brad is probably falling asleep right now so um <laughs> what have you been up to Brad? Which we just I want to on. My, my favorite bit is rolling down a bomb and into uh, a bow goblin group and just oh, sending them flying and then they just have question marks so they don't know what's going on because you're hiding up the top of the hill that's, that's, yeah, that's my sneak move <laughs> stuff <laughs> I did. I did actually see a, a video by a YouTuber uh, group called Achievement Hunter, where they uh, they basically used the physics in it to create like a little uh, seesaw. So they put uh-huh. like a something in the middle, a rock in the middle, and then a big plank of wood, and then put a explosive barrel on the other end. Nice. And they dropped a massive rock on it, so they just sent it flying and blew up a ton of things with it. <laughs> Nicely. <laughs> That's what, one thing nice. about the game. It does seem to have. Like, obviously, you may have guessed by my silence for the last half hour. I know nothing about Zelda. Um, yeah the, the physics do seem really interesting in that respect well there's one way yeah. to fix that brad <laughs> yeah, you're gonna buy me a switch and zelda that is uh, very generous you, and on record as well so we'll start a kickstarter <laughs> yeah, got a wii u then like brendan i see you not so what have you been up to um mostly just going through i mean i've uh luckily had a chance as some time recently so i've been powering through the games trying to clear my list I think Excellent. within like one week, I think I completed about eight games. So nice. That was that was a, that was nice. Um, Very good. The, the main ones I've been going through at the moment is Minecraft Story Mode. Terrible game. Mm. <laughs> Agreed. Like it's just just no connection to any characters except one. No. But for Kamaki, that's at episode no, four. The yeah, assessment episode, episode four. four. No difficulty in story. Like it's it's just yeah. No difficulty in choices. Sorry. Um, I'm playing. Go back to the crew. The uh, massive open world racing game. The uh, one that lets you go across the entirety of America. Mm. Beautiful. How does that hold up today? It's a few years uh, old it's now, right? Actually, still good. Um, I mean, like it's the way it does it, in that it's really easy just to drop in and out with. Like, I had a friend I was playing it with. Just uh, I mean, so you drop in, just go into missions together, or if not, you just find, you, there's a button that says "Find Crew" and you just find random people and do the mission together, or you can just drive. Like yeah. it's still such a relax. I think open world racing games are such a relaxing experience for me. Um, yeah. It is just like uh, just driving the open road. Look at you being just a Jack Kerouac right there. <laughs> what? I, sorry, sorry, I said that, and I was I was like, oh, wait a second, Jack Kerouac's an American. Uh, yeah, no, none of us are going to get that. <laughs> this is a British um, podcast only for Brits. He, he wrote he, he wrote uh, on the road. Basically, it, the entire thing is about him like hitchhiking across America and that sort of lifestyle. So mm, it, it sounds very, very much in that vein that like, oh, I'm just cruising across the USA, you know. Mm. Yeah, I, I was the crew is real cars, cars, right? Uh, um, yeah, there's a ton of real cars. Okay, because I was looking at the new Aston Martin and I was thinking like what you said about open world games being relaxing, open world driving games being relaxing i was looking at the new aston martin and thinking this looks nice but i'm not going to truly appreciate it until i can drive in an open world driving game i think it's mm. it, i think the same to me as um test drive unlimited was a game i played years ago there was mm. a similar thing of just open world nice cars just go do your thing yeah um, the game this game does it really well it's just there's like 600 just these little mini game skills to go and 70 missions and etc like it just keeps going this because I always have three games going at once. I always have one game that I get immersed in, which at the moment okay. is Minecraft Story Mode, where I just focus on it. I have one game that I play in the background, so the crew, where I'm watching YouTube or whatever, and I'll just have a game where I can just relax and enjoy the, like, the experiences of it. And I'll always have one that I play with friends, which at the moment yeah. is Overwatch. 
Oh, I nice. love Overwatch. Because Overwatch. Oh, Overwatch. I've, I, I recently got gold, and I'm trying to push in towards platinum now in the recent rank season. Um, mm, nice. I'm, I'm playing it way, way too much. But no, i big fan of Overwatch, and of course, it would be me if I didn't say Rocket League at least once, a podcast. Yeah. I, yeah, well, Rocket League. I, I know you, you, I think you mentioned it last week, didn't you, but the drop shot mode mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to. It drops tomorrow for us, uh, the 22nd. Where is Rocket League these days? Where, how does it stand? Um, it's still popular. I mean, the esports scene is growing quite substantially. Mm. Um, but from it, the gameplay, for someone who's played a, a lot of it, uh, it's not changed drastically. But then Rocket League never will. You, you like it, if Rocket League is even if you if you haven't played for a while and you go back to it, mm-hmm. remember how fun the game is. Like it, it's not the kind of thing you go back going, "This isn't as good as I remember." Huh. Like you go back, like you go back and play Rumble or whatever, you just realize you're just having fun. And Rocket League, I think, is really good for that. Just a game you can just have fun in. Yeah, it does kind of strike me as the type of game. Like for most games, if I if I don't keep up with sort of um, the day to day ongoing sort of meta, I guess mm-hmm. I feel like I've fallen so far behind. I'm never going to be able to keep up. But I feel like even though that's probably semi true of Rocket League, I mean. I don't know that it's necessarily the case, and it seems like it'd be much easier to just drop back into and just have a good time without worrying about getting squashed. Because hmm. the the fundamental concepts are are, are kind of never changing. It's, and it's just the, the game design. It's designed just to be an easy drop, like five minute. Anything that has that kind of short right, five right. matches, you just drop in, have a little bit of fun, and stop whenever you want. There's no obligation. You're not you're not, you're not looking at anything that requires this amount of time or this amount of focus. Um, it's there if you want it, but yeah. like I, I think I noticed it most with, when uh, the previous version of this podcast with Munch and Rhino, um, mm. we used to afterwards we used to just spend an hour just going Rocket League, and it'd be the only time we play it in a month. Um, and then, but we just have a lot of fun because that's the kind of game you can just not play for a month and just go in, just have a laugh and a chat and blow some people up. So I'll always, are I'll always gonna, are you going to get back into it with the new mode? Yeah, Dropshot looks hard. Like, I would get the trophies. Uh, whether or not I continue playing that mode mm-hmm. depends on things, but it looks intense. Like, because it kind of changes the basic formula a lot in that the, you always like, I mean, the, obviously there's power ups and things of various game modes, but the basic formula is the same. Their goal's over there, your goal's over here. You score that, which means mm-hmm. you can predict players, you can d- predict the direction of the ball and such. But with this, they could go anywhere, <laughs> which I think is going to be very difficult to play, but I'm looking forward to giving it a go. Good luck. Thank you. All right. So I I have finally finished Horizon. Uh, Yeah, I got the platinum on that. Uh, I finished Batman, which um, I didn't know, but has a platinum. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. Um, And then uh, since then, I have been playing. I I played a little bit of Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, I've only played a couple of hours, so I can't get too into it. What I can tell you is... I am enjoying it so far. Um, The gameplay is kind of what you'd expect. It's a third-person shooter, and it's got all that kind of stuff. The jet, the jump pack stuff is kind of clunky, but it works. It does what it needs to do, and it allows you to feel like you are actually exploring that space um, in a way that you couldn't really do that before. Okay, Um, that's good. Yeah, it feels more... It feels like more of an actual space when you can move, I guess, in that third dimension, whereas you usually just really ran forward and backwards. And then press, the press X to climb a ledge. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it seems um, good whereas, for moving quickly as well, so you can like you feel like you're traveling more distance 
because you're able to traverse great, like traverse larger gaps and greater distances and bigger jumps. So you feel like you're really yes. moving and exploring. Mm. Yeah, and the the worlds so far, uh, well, the world that I've seen so far is much bigger and more detailed. Like there's just more space to it. It's not, and it's not empty space either. It's um, you you enter an area and there's lots of different directions you can go into. You feel like you're actually in a space, something that's actually kind of organic. Um, and there's different branching paths you can go down. And if you go down this direction, there's something and it's like, Oh, well there's a random alien building. You can go and check that out if you want to, but you don't have to, you, you've got other people you're looking for at this point or whatever. Yeah. Okay. I saw a let's play, which I think lost an hour and every, there was, but it was obviously a basic saying, find these people. But then there were like mm. so many different optional objects. Like you can go do this if you want. It's like, hey, you can go explore these alien ruins if you want to. It is optional, um, which is good. I like that game. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, not really much of a spoiler. It's like the first fifteen minutes of the game or whatever. But I'm on this planet, and it seems kind of um, seems like things didn't go so well here. But like, there's just randomly this lush sort of micro forest on this planet, just out of nowhere. And you're just like, what the hell? Where did this come from? You know. Um, so it's it's kind of fun to just like see and explore and and the jump pack I think definitely helps with that. Uh, as for the animations, the they do have issues. Um, I don't know if I would really pay too much attention to them. They are noticeable. There are certain things where it's just like, oh my god, that's just so odd. Um, even stuff like I was talking about the jetpack, like when they're moving or running around they they feel kind of heavy even though it feels like you're moving fast nothing feels particularly agile it just feels like mechanical um and, and that's not necessarily a good feeling um but it's not too bad um I'm the not- more Huh? I've seen a selection of the gifts online of uh, various like <laughs> facial animations that are just well the face yeah. or there's one uh, I think they walk down some steps and then the character started crouching and then running like a little spider crab thing because it was stayed crouched <laughs> and running. And the animation yep. was just doing that around. And it was just, it looked uh, questionable. Yeah. I mean, the, so for the facial animations, there are definitely issues. Um, there, it's not all the time, good portion of the time, it's pretty good. Um, but there are certainly instances where, like, you're in some situation or another. And half of the characters that are just standing there with this dumb smile on their face, <laughs> like not a big smile, just like this, like they've got nothing on their mind kind of smile on their face. The kind of robotics Android style of like, yeah. uh, Westworld or whatever, that kind of. Yeah. And, and it, it kind of, it's a little bit odd. Um, and there was one instance where I watched somebody walk off and they were like swinging their arms, like in this really strange fashion. <laughs> And again, it seemed kind of almost robotic, like their arms were almost out to the side and sort of like windmilling around, you know? Nice. Um, so it, like the robots it, are near. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> not entirely unlike that, but it was a human person were just kind of hurrying off. Um, and it, it just, it feels a little bit strange and it is a little bit noticeable, but it's not terrible it's not killing the game by any stretch one point i did notice about the game which was good was the character customization oh you gotta love mm. games that let you like choose the character whichever like you choose the character to be exactly how you want it to look mm-hmm. yeah i was boring and just went with the um default did you get with the default female yes i did 
Yeah, people have said there's something a bit off about that. Um, it's definitely worth um, psychologically that one a bit. Uh, yeah, how, how so? Like, I mean, she's she seems better now. Like the first hour or so, she seemed kind of oddly chipper. Um, not not even like crazy manic chipper. Just like she had this like upbeat personality that just seemed really at odds with everything else going on around her. Um, and that's mellowed out, and she's acting a little bit more like a shepherd now. Oh right. Uh, no, this was more kind of apparently the the face and the animations and just a a bit of a feeling of uncanny valley or something. Just apparently this was the feedback I'd heard about it, and they said it's worth customizing the female one, not going with the default. Um, interesting. The male one is all right, I think they said, but yeah, it's something a bit bit off by it. Yeah, um, and and the problem is not nearly as bad with um, non-human characters too. So any of the aliens, it seems to be going just fine. It, the the version the person I saw playing it create can only be described as an abomination of a man. So yeah, customization must let you uh, really wreck with the character if you really wanted to. Did, did he have like a real orange tan? And oh like, yeah, he was like dodgy blonde hair. Right, no, <laughs> I see. Oh, very clever. Um, but no, he's abominable. Like his face was covered in scars, and his like chin extended about a foot further forward than their nose which was about the size of like a button <laughs> it it looked like every time they pop up in a cutscene, it was just it was terrified and hilarious i could i imagine that's the kind of way i play that game i just make it as yeah. just hideous and absurd as possible uh, and then i so i spent a couple hours with that and i've put in about eight hours into near Autom- uh, automata um I'm enjoying it. The gameplay is fine. The feel of doing things in that game, it feels pretty good. The movement is is fun and fast and fluid. Um, Your ability to attack and whatnot feels pretty good so far, though it seems a little bit limited. haven't seen a whole lot in the way of um, weapons and things that really mix things up. Heavy sword seems to act pretty much the same no matter what kind of heavy sword it is. Um, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of different types of weapons. Um, but it's... How, uh, uh-huh. how would you compare the kind of gameplay style to um, Final Fantasy? Because um, obviously the the connection between two games. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, so I don't know that I'd say they're very similar really at all. Um, the The way that Nier's combat is is a lot closer to like a Bayonetta or a Devil May Cry. Um, it's definitely got sort of like a combo based feel, lots of, you know, um, launching things into the air and fighting them and, um, dodging and counter attacks. Um, uh, it's got a lot of that kind of stuff, ranged attacks, um, that, you know, a, a constant ranged attack that's separate from everything else. Um, it, it's got a lot of that kind of fast fluid feel to it, except that the most of the enemies that I've fought so far are those basic robot machine things, and they don't really do a whole lot. The The attacks are, like, telegraphed from a mile away. Um, there's not really a whole lot of challenge there. And then you fight plenty of them, and you either wade through them if they're low level, or you just keep beating on them if they're higher level. Um, and then you fight a boss, and the boss is usually very challenging and entertaining it's just kind of out of nowhere though um it's uh okay sounds yeah that's what i kind of 
thought about when I looked at it. It moves well, but I don't feel like I'm doing anything of substance at all. Um, which, I, I mean, a lot of people have really liked this game, and I, I think it at least part of it comes from the story. You know, Nier has always been, uh, you know, well, not always. The last game was kind of like this, too, where there's, you know, you're supposed to play it several times. There's a bunch of different endings, all this kind of stuff. And it changes, like, as you play through various playthroughs, it changes your understanding of what's going on in the game. And it gets into some really weird uh, narrative and dramatic places. Um, and from what I understand, I was talking to somebody else and they were telling me that, yeah, I mean, the first playthrough is kind of just like that. And then you get into the second playthrough and that's where it starts getting interesting. And it's like, I don't know if I want to go through an entire first playthrough at this point, Mm -hmm. I'm eight hours in and I have no idea where this play, this playthrough is going to end. So I don't know how much longer I want to continue to play this just to wait for things to get interesting, you know? Yeah. So as, as part of the genre, I think when you, you get into that the, that genre of game, you kind of, in a way, expect that. Um, it's not always easy to like keep you past the first few hours because end game and new games are always where the fun is. Uh, you talking about like a bayonetta or whatnot? Yeah, well, the general the entire style of uh, that, that that kind of game. See, I, but the the problem is that like in those games at least generally there's some challenge to what you're doing uh it's i mean those games were sort of proto dark souls games really um but much faster um <laughs> and so you know the the reward was playing through or you'd get a cutscene and you know maybe nothing of consequence happened but there was some fun being had you know whereas this is literally like supposedly emotionless androids and you know they they don't really have a whole lot of character and, and and they obviously will develop character and it'll be significant you know that's that's almost certainly what's happening but right now they're kind of even 8 hours in pretty lifeless and uninteresting and you're helping this resistance but i only know really one person in that resistance and she's not that interesting and it's this kind of open world with a lot of space to run around the buildings are kind of samey and you know, you, you run across this big space trying to find this point so you can do this mission, and the mission is you go there and you wipe out the enemies, and that's it. And the enemies are not all that interesting to begin with. So it's like, it feels it feels like I'm playing an MMO where they've just kind of dropped in, you know, Bayonetta-style um, combat. But the enemies are still kind of boring, slow sort of thing. It, it just not particularly satisfying unfortunately Uh, but that's just me so i I know a lot of people have really liked it um it just it i don't know if i'll be able to stick with it long enough for it to get interesting you wouldn't so you will personally wouldn't recommend the game then i would i don't know if i would recommend it to a lot of people um if if that sounds interesting to you then go for it um but i i can't imagine i mean i from what i understand even the people that like it kind of describe the beginning like that so unless you feel up for putting that much investment into the game to get to the good part i i definitely wouldn't recommend it and you know personally since i haven't even reached that point i don't know that i could recommend it anyways because i don't know if i can really vouch for that part of the game being that good um so right now i don't know that i would uh, i'm not gonna so, say that um 
I'm not going to say that you're going to enjoy the game more at the end, but um, certainly I can understand uh, what Brad said, that uh, sometimes the best parts of some games are uh, much later on by design, that it's designed for large amounts of longevity. Um, And I think of, um, uh, what was it, Final Fantasy Type-0, in that the first playthrough was okay, and then uh, I did like... I don't know, like five playthroughs, and that's sort of it. Not to say um, that anyone who doesn't is a casual, but the people that really are mad into it. Um, Got to. There's, yeah, there's a lot of uh, game in there, but if you're not into it, then uh, then you're not going to get that, and that's fine. I, I, I mean, I think of things like um, getting S ranks, whatever Devil May Cry, or. Uh. Um, yeah exactly yeah like as in the game there it's okay but the find it really is challenging yourself to go through again and see it again like if, if that's your type of thing of, of like that kind of style of gaming yeah yeah but I, I mean it doesn't really incentivize that in any way like no. as far as i can tell you don't get any additional experience for doing a good job there's no ranking system for you know clearing a space particularly well or any of that kind of stuff um you get a very drab quest completed occasionally that says you got 360 experience and then that's it (laughs) but those um those things are just things that uh you might do just for for doing it sake like getting an s rank in devil may cry or an s rank in type zero on the hardest difficulty like there's no trophies for it but you kind of just yeah do it because you want to at that point if you're that yep. um, suck, if you're like over the edge, <laughs> it's kind yeah. of a bad thing to go that far. But I, I think you were saying about um, Devil May Cry when you would fight it with one the original sword and like yeah, you yeah. didn't do it for any reason. You just were that obsessed with it. So sort of, yeah. But I mean, yeah. there is some kind of uh, actual reward for me. Uh-huh. You know, like there's there's fun to be had in doing that. Yeah. Whereas even though it looks cool having my character run around cutting stuff up and jumping into the air and yeah. doing whatever else, while that looks cool, I'm not necessarily having fun with that combat, mm. and I'm not having fun necessarily running across that world or any of the other things. Like it's not, it's not delivering really anything at this point. It feels like I've been grinding for eight hours, mm. you know? So I I also it reminds me of um, Final Fantasy Thirteen in that it takes uh, I think eight or nine hours of gameplay to get to the open world. Um, um my like my nephew was is a big Final Fantasy fan, but he never even finished that game because he couldn't. He felt so much that he was grinding that he never got to the open world bit where the game opens up and becomes the game. Certainly. Um, but like from what I hear from this game, it is your your problem you're having is with the basic gameplay itself, mm. which isn't the yeah. kind of thing that's going to drastically change. Yeah. Right, and he, even then, um. Like, even in Final Fantasy thirteen, stuff was happening, though, over the course of that, you know, initial 10 hours. There's story that's happening or whatever. Even if it's not necessarily good, it's happening. Whereas, like, there's really no story that's happening. Like, there's a couple of interesting bits here and there that take all of, like, a minute. and But that's that's it like I, i've not really experienced any kind of engaging story of any kind so, so it feels like you're grinding an open world trophy but normally you do that after the game and that's the final thing is to just grind mm-hmm. the world but this is 
so far in this your entire the, game. Yeah, so far that's essentially what I've come across. I, the, aside from the first, I'd say, 15 minutes, which are really kind of interesting because it plays with um, you you're, you start off sort of in a ship and it, it goes through like five different gameplay styles really quickly. Like you have this sort of top-down um, ride, uh, ride-in slash Galaga-esque style game and then it changes into like a twin-stick shooter really quick and then it turns into a force-scrolling 2D um, side-scroller and then it changes into something else uh, like a star fox style game and then you finally get into what is most of the gameplay the third person action game um and that was really interesting but um aside from a couple of instances where it jumps back into that stuff not much is changing so mm-hmm. it's an un- unfortunate uh i like i said i'm not enjoying it and you know you shouldn't just take my word for it there are a lot of people that have really enjoyed it i would read those reviews and see what they say because you know if if you would have the same problem and other people are saying yeah that's how it is but once you hit this point it's fantastic but you can't bear through the first 10 hour grind or whatever you know it's worth actually reading the review to find out if that's you know really what's going on Anyways, so that last segment went way longer than I originally anticipated. Um, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, remember, we're on iTunes. Um, we're hopefully coming to uh, Google Play Store thing. We're still sorting that out because um, there was a dropped ball somewhere. Okay. Um, so hopefully that should be fixed this week, I think. So hopefully that'll show up. So make sure you rate us on iTunes, rate us on there. I'll make sure to include the link in the article. Um, you can follow us on True Trophies uh, at underscore Brand Foo. Uh, you can uh, find Brad. You do stuff on what now? Twitch. Monkey Brad 91. Twitch. You'll find me. Monkey Brad 91. Okay, so go there, do that. Um, and until next time, have fun, and we will see you soon. Bye. Cheers, guys. See you around. See ya.